we've taken a series of meetings, and we've called it, first to start out as Life Track and then Next Steps. And it's almost like people ask, what is this church about? And I'm going to have Joe Worm. Joe, could you stand up real quick? He's our chili cook-off guru. Um, there's Joe back there. But not winner. Almost. I never went there. I never said that. Joe, uh, in my, my communication with Joe over the last probably three or four years, we just wanted to put something together that would communicate what is Life Church all about? What do we value? What, what are our priorities? How did it start? Um, what do we prioritize? Because many times you come into a church and people are like, why don't they do that? And then you go into another church, why do they do that? Why do they sing the same song 19 times? Why don't they sing any hymns? You know, have anybody ever thought those things when you walk into a church besides Joe and I? So what we endeavored to do is put together, uh, it started out with four, now we've condensed it to three, three different uh, opportunities for us to communicate what is God's heart for this body. Uh, one of the things, and this, Derek, thank you so much wherever Derek is, went, there he is. He's in black and camo there. Uh, one of the things that if you've been here a few times or you've been here many times, uh, I trust it never gets old. I trust it never gets mundane or boring or yada, yada. We, we take every Sunday and we pray for two different churches. It's really intentional. It, it's, um, it's something that we highly value. And it's the, the thought and the uh, concept we are a grain of sand on God's beach. It's called Life Church St. Peter's, and we are no more important than what's happening at Calvary or the Element or Grace or Family Church or um, Faith Church. But we do have a place in the body of Christ in St. Louis. And we, like what we like to say is we all wear the same color jersey. We're not in competition with what's happening at Grace Chapel down the road. We're not in competition with what's happening at Lutheran. And maybe you... I hope you were raised slightly different in a different church environment than what I was. The church environment that I was in, uh, for probably the first 20 years of my life, was we like to differentiate our differences. And in that, we look down our condescending nose at other churches. They don't do this, they don't do this, they don't do this, they don't believe this, they don't believe this, but we do. So everybody come to us because we're more better than them. And I did say more better on purpose. Not only more better, we're much more better. And so one of the things, one of the DNA factors and, and um, uh, elements of, of our body here is we're on the same team with the rest of the churches in the St. Louis area that call on the name of Jesus, that bringing the kingdom of God. So it's really, really important. And I just wanted to say that at the very outset of this that we have a part to play in St. Louis, but it's a part to play. And so in everything that we say and everything that we do this morning, I just want to overemphasize that we are on the same team with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are for them. We are with them. We get to invest in them. One of the things that, uh, as Derek was up here this morning, uh, Derek, I don't know how they, he does it, but he just gets in communication with different uh, pastors, different churches across the St. Louis area, and Derek has invited uh, Randy and I to meet other pastors across the St. Louis area. And one of the things, one of our DNA uh, qualities at Life Church is we like to plant churches. We want to plant church. In 2013, September, 
this was a church plant five and a half years ago. It started from, from scratch. Um, but there are other churches in the area um, that have done the same. And, and through meeting other pastors, one of the things that's been on my heart, my, my wife is from North County, St. Louis. She went to Riverview Gardens. And we wash our clothes. We do wash them well. And, and it's been on my heart to plant a church in North County since this church started. I just have a heart for North, North County. I love it. And yet, I don't know, a few weeks ago, two, three months ago, uh, Derek and Laura and, and Randy and I had the opportunity to meet a pastor. It was Ken and Beverly, Ken and Beverly. up in, in North County. And I, it was, uh, we, we met at a restaurant in Ferguson. Kathy's? Kathy's was the restaurant. And um, I met this, this couple, and I'm like, I don't need to plant a church in a North County. Why can't we get behind this church in North County? So it's not to say that we can't plant churches because we are and will, uh, but it's to find other bodies. They are bringing Jesus in a way that I can't to their actual area. They know the people. They have roots into the area. They have history into the area. So can we get behind other brothers and sisters in their locale to bring their flavor, if you will, to the stew that makes the body of Christ? Does that make sense? So it's just, it's huge, it's wonderful, it's amazing. I, I love meeting other churches. Ryan Hart's going to be here next week um, from Kingdom Church. They, they launched just a few months ago. God's doing amazing things down there. Randy and I were able to go a few weeks ago. They meet on Saturday nights. You know, and, and I remember when Luke, he's probably out with the kids this morning, when Luke introduced me to Ryan Hart several weeks ago, or several months ago, I met this guy and I thought, oh, it's going to be dynamic. You, you can just sense the presence of God and the anointing on this man and his wife, April. Well, they're going to be here next weekend as part of Impact. And again, we want to get behind it. We have blessed them. We will continue to bless that church. But since this church, or since they started, they have blessed us. I met two or three parents over the last month so excited about Impact because they said, my kids were changed at Impact. Thank you for bringing in a Robbie Dawkins. Thank you for bringing in a Ryan Hart. I'm so excited. And just one last plug um, for next weekend, there is a couple who's coming named Josh Luke Smith and Kara, not Kara Luke Smith, that's his <laughs> name. Uh, they each have their own middle name, and I don't know what Kara's is. I'm sure it's important to her. Uh, but Kara Smith, and they are elders, one of the elder couples in our church, related church, sister church in Bath, England. They will be here next week, and I, I'm assuming uh, he'll be speaking on the Saturday night and a Sunday morning, and he's a young guy. He's like 29 years old, and he's got one of those beards that stretches down to the floor. Um, he's young, he's hip, he's cool. We get a lot in common. And no. You may. She's up. Exactly. We're both guys, you know. I can grow a beard on my chin if I wanted one. Um, but Josh Luke Smith, he, he is so gifted, so anointed, so amazing. He, he, uh, I won't tell his story. He was, he was raised on the other side of the world, not in England, but over in uh, Asia. And he's just amazingly anointed. And he does, somebody's going to have to help me with this, spoken word. I was going to say word spoken stuff, thing. But he does spoken word. And that's word. why we're not cool, because we don't know what that is. He's going to give me some skinny jeans. I just feel it. I'm not going to wear them, but I'm going to have them, you know. 
That's kind of like Saturday morning, you put on your jammies or your skinny jeans. That's what I do at my age. They're too tight. So Josh Luke Smith, he is, he is, he's all over YouTube. He's, all over, he's signed a, a national recording label with spoken word. And, and I was just thinking about, I, I've heard him minister several times. I've had the, he's a friend of ours. The couple, we love this couple. They're just amazing. They're, they're changing so many lives. And what he does is so different, you know, kind of professionally with spoken word. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, I, and I'm just going to say this and I'll deny it next week because that's what Holly said. Holly said what I'm about to say. We're all agreed, yes. right? I don't like spoken word. It doesn't hit me. It's almost like I also, I don't care for rap. I'm sure you like rap. John Hooker loves rap. He's got it on all day, every day in his house. I, heavy metal, hardcore rap, if that's possible. Um, I don't care for rap. It's okay. But you know what? They're reaching people that I can't reach with rap music. And Josh, Josh Luke Smith with spoken word is reaching people. And I was just sitting there thinking, it'd be so easy. I, I don't do spoken word. And I just had the, the reminder back in the day when people would go to church and say, they got drums up there. I ain't going to church for no drums. They got that electric guitar, not in church. I need me a, an organ. And 40 years ago, things were so different, and it was defying traditions and going against what was cool and what was new. And you think the Holy Spirit wants to bring in the things, the giftings that he's put inside of people to reach generations that I'll never be able to, to reach. And he's got Josh Luke Smith. The guy is so anointed. I'm sorry, if you don't come next Saturday night, you're going to miss something. If you miss next Sunday morning, bring your friends. They don't have to be young. When he stands up and preaches, it's just power. It's just anointing. The presence of God's going to be here. I'm so excited this couple's coming. So there's my gentle plug. I love this couple. They, they are sweet. They're kind. They're, they're British. We do the British thing, and it's all good. Okay, now what I want to talk about this morning. In two weeks' time, we're going to do part two of Next Steps. This morning, I'd just like to briefly outline. I'll probably have to roll it in and do part two of part one next in two weeks' time because I know we won't be able to get through all that we want to talk about this morning. So, But we do just want to talk about what is Life Church all about? We, we started a series at the beginning of the year, No, Grow, and Go. So there's a slight deviation just for a couple of weeks. But so many people, what is Life Church? How did it start? Why do you do this? Why don't you do that? So we just want to touch on that. And as far as this, like a, an introduction, um, the DNA of this church. And what we call it is our story so far. We've been a church for five and a half years, and, and we started this church um, out of a, uh, of a word that God spoke to uh, my wife and I back in 2012. But earlier that year, I was in uh, England, I'm sorry, I was in San Francisco with a man named Dan Reynolds. Do we have a picture of Dan Reynolds? There he is. And Fee! She actually makes the picture great. This is a couple um, who we met in 1993 in England. My, my wife and I were pastoring a church in England, and they were not yet married at that point. It was 23, 24 years ago. And I was at a conference with, in a group just about this size, and the Holy Spirit highlighted, hey, you in the purple that speaks American, and you in the blue, Dan, whatever, he speaks English. And he brought us together in this conference, and it was just a complete interruption in the conference, and we've been working together ever since. Uh, a few months later, he married Fiona, and my wife and I, they're like 
some of our very, very closest friends. We work with Dan and Fee, and Dan's going to be here with his wife in April. So in 2012, Dan and I are in San Francisco on Fisherman's Wharf, and we're just talking about what God wants to do. This church had not started yet. This church wasn't even in my mind yet, uh, or our mind yet, of what, what we were going to be doing in St. Louis, but we were here for purpose, and the purpose had not yet happened. And God spoke to Dan and I while we were on uh, Fisherman's Wharf. It's a pretty cool place in San Francisco. Out of a scripture, out of Psalm 46 and verse 4, and in that verse, if I get my glasses on, it says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Psalm 46, 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And as Dan and I, we were just sensing God in this moment, it was like, what, what if there was just a collection of people together who understood we're just a stream? There is a river, it's God's river. It's always been his river. But what if there was just a group of people, a group of churches together that would understand we're all tributaries, we're all streams, but we're all flowing into his river. And it represents the kingdom of heaven. And we had a kingdom of heaven message. And so that was in 2012. And we just, we just felt God just tell us the group of churches, the ministry that we will have will be called Life Streams. And that is the group of churches that we work with here, Life Church. We are part of a group. It's not a denomination, but it is a group of churches that have decided and positioned themselves to work together, to cooperate, to partner, to share ministry, to share vision, to share finance, to share people. Sam Hooker, who uh, started in this church when it began in 2013, Went to Bethel, went to Portland, went to Chicago. We're going to be sharing Sam Hooker to help us with our youth over the next couple of years. And it's part of life streams in the ministry. So we partner with a group of churches. One is in Bath. There's several up in the Chicagoland area and down here. And it's called Life Streams. They think, well, who are you connected with? Um, some people even say, who are you submitted to? Other people are like, well, if you're submitted to anybody, I'm out. We, we don't. That's kind of old school language with some kind of de some denominations and some ministries. We partner with churches. We work alongside of churches. My, my wife and I work alongside each other. We are a tangible team that, actually, you should be sitting above me right now. Oh, do you want to say, she I wants do. to say I something. I just want to say, it. it's more, you know, in a lot of our church backgrounds, it's, it's all about hierarchy and there's like a flow chart and... And, you know, there's some, there's like an organization at the top, and then you get the little lines down, and there's three under them. The group of churches that we work with, it's all about connection. You know, we've been in Daniel and Fiona's home so many times. We knew them before they had kids. They've been in our home. It's about life and connection, and it's transparent. We know what's going on in their lives. They know what's going on in our lives. So it's not just uh, an organization with a flow chart. It's a life connection. Amen. And so in 2012, God spoke to Dan and I about life streams. And in 2012, probably four months later, I was serving in a church uh, here in the St. Louis area, and God had spoken to my wife and I when we were living in Chicago to move back to St. Louis to do something for him. And we were serving, and, and I'll have to be honest with you, I was, my wife and I were very frustrated in 2012. We're like, Lord, what do you want us to do? We, we, have, we just had a sense that God wanted to do something unique in the St. Louis area, and we just were not experiencing it. And one day I was looking out my back window, and I was talking actually with Dan Reynolds on the phone, and I was just explaining to him 
I just want God, I want to see something in St. Louis that represents the kingdom of heaven. Something that's not political, it's not uh, owned by men and women. It, it, it just has the fingerprints of heaven and there's just life flowing through St. Louis again. When we, uh, became, my wife and I became Christians in the 70s, we just sensed the power of God. People were getting saved, people were getting healed, people were getting set free, and it ruined us for the presence of God. It ruined us. And God spoke to me in 2012 as I was looking out my back window in my, in my home out of Ezekiel 37. And it was kind of the core of what this church started. And I don't want you to have to turn to it. It's, it's a pastor scripture. Many of you will be familiar with it. Ezekiel 37, a prophet named Ezekiel saw a vast valley of dry bones, dead bones. They were disjointed, disconnected, of no purpose. And God spoke to them and basically challenged Ezekiel, what do you see? And I see dead bones. And God said, I want you to speak. I want you to prophesy. I want you to move in the supernatural to see those dead bones come back to life. And that is the genesis of this church. We knew so many people in St. Louis area who had given up on church. They were sitting at home. They were having fellowship with uh, Sister Sheets and Brother Pillow. Just uh, never darken the door of a church again. Or sitting in the back seat with their arms folded, uh, disconnected, disturbed, bothered, um, just not engaged with, with the life of the Spirit anymore. And God spoke to us that he wants disconnected people out of the same uh, heartbeat out of Ezekiel 37. He wants to see people connected again. And it, sa- and it actually says in Ezekiel 37 that these dead bones came to life and he prophesied and breathed life into them through the Holy Spirit. And it became an exceedingly great army, alive and vibrant and finding joint and finding purpose again. So when this church started, that was a DNA of it. And shortly thereafter, there was a second verse, was Ezekiel 47, about the river of God. And it was the river, you can read it, this, I would encourage you to read it this, this next week, a river coming from the throne, from the presence, and everywhere the river touched, everything came to life. The fresh water touched salt water, turned the salt water into living, breathing, alive water. Everything that was dead came to life. And so from this church's uh, onset from its beginning in, in 2013, that was our heartbeat. Uh, we were excited about it. We were thrilled about it and still are. So from 2013, we started a, a little building probably three miles from here, and we understood we were going to be out, and they were selling the property. And so we came in contact with a group of people here, an amazing group of people uh, called Discovery Church, and they were um, in flux and transit themselves. And so that's how we ended up in this building and just through a weird set of coincidences, the, the bank said, would you like to take over the payments? And I, I am not, I'll just say this up front, I'm not a building person. I would rather spend people on money than property that sits dormant and vacant so much during the week. And so it kind of fell into our laps against my best wishes. I remember when we started, we're not going to have a church. We're not going to buy a building. If we have to meet out in the parks, we'll meet in the parks. I don't want to do a building. And then nine months later, a building came. And... <laughs> I said, Lord, you know what I don't know, and you're in charge. And so, in summary, we began with about 50 people in 2013, and here we are today. And I I so appreciate what Rick brought this morning, what Holly brought, what Mark brought. Um, And the the message of Life Church would be the message of the kingdom of heaven. I was just reading this week. When you look through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus came and it was the message of the kingdom. He he never said he was going to build anything except the church. One thing he was going to build 
It was the church of Jesus Christ. But it was bringing heaven to earth. It was bringing the presence of God down here that people would no longer struggle under man's rules, man's traditions, man-made things. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. It was a, Jesus came to set the people free that they would remain free, that they would go from freedom to freedom to freedom to freedom. And so we endeavored to do that here. And it's um, to understand, and, you'll, and when I, we talk about the leadership, we may not get to it this morning, but one of the things as, as leaders in this, in this church to remember the people are his people. They're the sheep, the scripture says, they're the sheep of his pasture. And, so, and our, our church background was, you know, whatever the, pa- you know, fear the pastor because he's like the big dog. And if you miss that point, oh, this is not going to translate well. Fear the pastor's wife because she's the more powerful person, the pastor's wife. We weren't going to do the big dog. And, it, and it's in leadership here, we are stewards of what God has. We're, the building is his. The money is his. The people are his. He's the only one that died for anybody. It's Jesus. So at Life Church, we, we, it may sound at times a little bit different, and it's really intentional, really purposeful. We don't own, as leaders, we don't any, own anything. We, I haven't died for anybody's sins, but there's one who did. And everything that we do, everything that we endeavor to do is to build up the name of Jesus. The people are his. I'm his. I'm no more important than you. I may have a slightly different function than what Heather does or what Jim Cop does or what Ben does or, you know, what Jeff Tope does back there on the, on the drums, the AV thing. I feel like I'm introducing the band. You know, it, everybody has a place to play. In the, yes, but we... We don't have a hierarchy of the pastor and his wife are at the top, then the power brokers, the deacons, then these people. It's linear. It's, it looks like this. It's all of us finding our place at Life Church to be a body, a church that's powerful and it looks like Jesus. Does that make sense? Yes. I, I love it. It's, it's what we're really trying to um, produce and build Steve, here. Can yes. you talk about our initial mandate? Yes, please. Uh, when when we uh, first got the word for out of Ezekiel, the two things about the river and the bones, the the thing that was paramount in our mind was, we've got one thing to do. Tom and I have one thing to do, and it was just to facilitate a place. That's all it was. Facilitate a place for the Holy Spirit to come and to touch people, for the dry bones to come to life, because there was a point when we were dry bones. We went through a really rough spell before we moved from Chicago down to here in 2007. And so uh, those years until the church started, it was just a time of healing. And the Lord said, I want you to affect other dry bones. And so your mandate is facilitate a place for people to come, and I will do it. Amen. Amen. And again, so that, that's, that is our, that's our heartbeat here. And so um, we, we want you to feel you're finding Jesus here. You're not, what, what is Tom's vision? What's Randy's vision? What's, it, what does Jesus want to do? And find health, find peace, find value, find your place in the body. And, and that, that, is, that is our dream. It's our desire. So I'd like to very quickly just look at what our vision is at Life Church. It's kind of, you know, what uh, our house, what it looks like, what it sounds like. The vision at Life Church is to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart 
to fulfill their dreams and change the world. And very quickly, our mission, so that's our vision, is to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart to fulfill their dreams and change the world. Our mission at Life Church is to create a culture where people from every nation and generation can have a genuine encounter with the living God. And our mandate at Life Church, I know it's a lot, we'll, we'll talk more about it and break it down. Our mandate is to see people established in the truth, equipped to fulfill their dreams, and em- empowered to change the world around them. We want everyone, that's you and you and you and you, we want everyone to live in the purpose, to fill the fullness, we want everyone to live in the fullness of everything that Jesus paid for on the cross to express the likeness of heaven here on earth and to leave a legacy for the generations to come. I love it. Uh, Dan Reynolds uh, wrote a lot of this um, and, and in conjunction with him and working with him. It's what we want to see in St. Louis. It's what we want to see in St. Charles County. So I want to break that down just a little bit and vision. There's several different words in that vision statement. Our vision is to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart, to fulfill their dreams, and change the world. What does that mean? Well, in building, it's the only thing that Jesus said he would build, and it's his church. It, it's his body. He talks uh, New Testament's all over there about the, the church and building it. In Hebrews 11, Matthew 16, the church and our legacy will last for generations to come. And it's to build a place where your kids aren't bored out of their mind, where your teenagers aren't bored out of your mind. I fought with my parents up to the age of 12. I got sick every Sunday morning. And I got healed at noon. Because I was not going to church. I hated it. And it was funny, my wife and I were... We met with a, a couple this week, and they were telling us about their, their son, and he's probably 10 years old, and uh, they were so excited that, and I think it was in the, either last week or the week before, that their son came, and he went back, I think it was with Stephen Newton, and Stephen sat down with him, he just talked about healing and the power of God, and to hear these parents say, our son was excited, our son was happy, he was so blessed to be in the church that Sunday, and I was like, I so cannot relate. Growing up, I was bored out of my mind every single Sunday. I was shooting spitballs and a girl's hair named We Met Paul. Why do I remember that? That was my highlight. She had funky, curly hair. How many spitballs? Could I, that, that was it. I didn't know a lot about Jesus, but I got really good at spitballs. That's it. That's all I got. It it created a really white canvas for when I got saved later. I didn't have to deconstruct a lot. But our vision is to build a church that generations want to come to. Second part of our vision statement is radical. Our message is radical. It's the message of acceptance. It's the message of ABCs, acceptance before change. And it's when Jesus encountered the woman at the well. She's got five ex-husbands. She's living with a guy. And he didn't... Uh, browbeat her. He didn't cast her aside. He didn't judge her, but he brought her in. And the woman became the biggest evangelist in the community. Why? Because when she encountered Jesus, she didn't encounter judgment. As a church at Life Church, want to be a body that doesn't, you don't meet judgment when you walk in the door. 
when Jesus was walking and uh, encountered a little guy named Zacchaeus. He was up on the tree. Uh, many of you who will know your Bibles, Zacchaeus was a weasel of a man. He was a thief. He, was a, he stole from the Jewish people, and he was working for the Romans. As a Jew, he was working for the Romans. Everybody in town hated him. And Jesus walked down the street, and he said, Zacchaeus, this day, I want to come and have lunch at your house. And all the people were fraught. They were hating. You can't go see him. He's a sinner. He's an evil man. And Jesus, that's exactly who I came for. I didn't come to judge people. I came to love them. That in their love, they would find forgiveness. It's a completely different message than what many of us grew up in in church. It's to accept people. Then they'll change once they encounter the love of God. It's, it's a crazy message. And if we would embody that, how the church in the United States would go forward. Thank you, Mark Levesque, Amen. for your contribution this morning. It's also it's a, a relevant message. Many of you will understand, maybe in, in some part, what I'm about to talk about. Our relevant message, there is a Father in heaven who loves you, and he's kind, and he's merciful, and he's good. And the family of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they, they actually get along. They like one another. And there's cohesion and there's beauty in the Godhead. And so many people in our culture come from brokenness, come from a family that's dysfunctional or was dysfunctional. For me, this is one of the biggest life-changing understandings for me is, is to actually have a family that works together. It's relevant in today's message. My, my birth mother, many of you will have heard this, some of you won't if you're... Uh, more new to the church. My birth mother was married nine times. That's kind of dysfunctional. Then my dad married my mom, who was an OCD, clean freak, first grade school teacher. And I was raised with um, just a crazy world. And then God came into my life and brought a relevant message. There is a father who's sane. There's a father who brings health. Heaven on earth, brings sanity, brings purpose, brings order to chaos. One of, the words, one of the songs we sang this morning was about the chaos. That's what the kingdom of heaven brings, is relevant message to people who are broken. There's so many people out there that you work with. They're hard to get along with. They're nasty. They're foul. They're butting in line. They're honking their horns. They're doing things to your lawn. And you think, what is wrong with you? It's a broken world. And our message is relevant to them. There is a health called the kingdom of heaven. There is a health called a father in heaven. And it's my job, our job, to represent the gospel to them, to be an accurate reflection of the peace of heaven. We have a, a relevant message for a society that is crying out for it. Another part of our vision statement is that empowers people. In the Bible, leadership is all about empowerment. In this, well, you saw it this morning. You know, we, we have people in this body who do lots of different things in, in leadership, men and women, which kind of makes that a radical message just in and of itself. The church I was raised in, women, women were for being at home and making chocolate chip cookies if they're obedient women. And if they really love Jesus, they're going to make chocolate chip cookies with nuts because why have a chocolate chip cookie without nuts? That's not, that's not good. But in our church community here is to empower people who have incredibly different gifts. 
We have, uh, I don't know if Tony, there she is. We have a lady here, God put a dream in her heart to meet uh, the needs of hurting and broken women who've lost their husbands, birthed out of her own heart. We have another lady, Debbie. Debbie, she's over here. Um, and God put, birthed something in her heart about reaching people life after loss, whether it's loss of a, a spouse, whether it's loss of a job, whether it's loss of a child. And this church, we want to get behind what is the dream that God has put in your heart? What is the burden that God has put in your heart to empower people, to minister people? I, I, I've never lost a husband. I can't really, I've never, I've never lost a spouse. My wife and I were praying this morning, I've not lost a child. I haven't had a grandchild that I've lost. But so many people out there, you can relate because that is what you've experienced. At, at Life Church, we want to get, what is it that God has, what's the burden, what's the cry of your heart to take your pain and your tears and your challenge and make it life-giving? That, that's our heart at Life Church. So what is it that God has put in your heart? You know, one of the, the things that I, I so appreciate is the different ministry groups is on Saturday mornings. We, we had it yesterday morning, and when I'm in town, I try and come as often as possible. And it's Brent Griffith, and uh, he leads Brent and Don lead a, a men. Where's Don? Don Grayson over here. They lead a men's group, and it's a, a men's group where we meet out in the foyer, and it's, um, I, I don't even know what to call it, coffee. We have coffee. Some of us have coffee. Some of us have donuts. Some of us have a lot of donuts. But it's a men's group where kind of everything stays in-house, and it's a place of safety. It's a place of freedom, and, and sometimes there's a lot of laughter that goes on. Sometimes there's some tears that go on, but it's a safe place, and it is, it is something that was birthed and born out of Brent's heart where men can come and actually be real. You don't have to put on a facade and talk about the cardinals, and we're praying for blue sky and work, and let's check out your cool car. You know, your cool car, you know, we're going to go out, pop the hood, and, uh, nice car, put the hood down and drive away, and no life is exchanged. But in Brent's heart is to see men gathered together, they can be real with one another and vulnerable with one another and not have to worry about who's going to get judged. We don't try and fix one another. It's just an opportunity for men to be real with one another and express life. So I come, I don't lead it. Most of the time, if I had my druthers, I don't say anything in it. But I find my place under these guys' ministry and these guys' love and the things that they're great at doing is bringing in people. That's the DNA of life churches. What is it that's on your heart? And if you don't know what it is, can we pursue it together? Can we find out what are those dreams maybe that are still buried and need to be unlocked on the inside of you? It's, it's not just about a Sunday morning experience. W what is it? So we want to empower people, get behind people. And it's to express God's heart, uh, fifth part of our vision. It's Jesus setting the captives free. And this is one thing Dan Reynolds says a lot. He's the, the English dude's coming in April. Who God is to you is who God will be through you. Who God is to you will be who God is through you. And if you have, if I have, an understanding that God is vindictive and he's mean and he's angry and he wants to wipe you out and smite you, guess what kind of message I'm going to present? Judgment, smiting, smoting. Last week we talked about killing rocks. If you're here for the Moses message, remember Moses? Yeah, never mind. Who God is to you is who God is to me through you. To express God's heart accurately. 
to rewire my understanding of the kingdom of heaven. It's one of our main things is, what is Jesus really like? And dreams, again, I won't elaborate on that. It's what is the dream that God has put on your heart with us? Life after loss, loving widows, uh, helping men. And the last, last point of our vision is the world. Think globally, act locally. Think globally, act locally. So out into the world. Life streams is a network of churches to help other churches fulfill their dreams. One of the things that if you've been here for a while, you're here, here um, John Block in the back, and Rick Perryman. We, we have a, a group of churches that this church works with and gets behind in India. This church is a group of churches that work with and support in Guatemala. This church has sent people out to Haiti, uh, different parts of the world. We, we have connections all over the world. The world is God's. It's not just about St. Charles. It's not just about St. Peter's. It's not just about Life Church. We, we have a heart for the world. This summer, we're going to have a missions trip to Guatemala. Several people will be going to it, and uh, it is to uh, build the kingdom of heaven with the resources that we have because God has given it. To much who is given, much is required. We have a heart for the world, and you have, if you've been here a few months, a couple of years, you have heard about the world many, many, many times. I just want to touch on the last thing, and then we'll close this morning and pick it up in a couple of weeks, is our mission. Our mission is to create a culture where people from every nation and generation can have a genuine encounter with the living God. Now, as aspects and how we actually do that, I want to touch on seven things that are ships. The first is worship. In our, in our mission, worship means to give something worth. We believe that God is worthy of our praise and our adoration. And in coming here, many times one of the things that people will say, man, you guys sing a long time. <laughs> yes, we do, compared to where you come from. When we became Christians, we used to worship a couple hours every Sunday morning. And heaven came, and miracles came, and it was powerful. My, my wife got saved in a worship meeting. No altar call, no message, no sermon. God was there as people just poured out their hearts in adoration and worship. It's one of our values. It's one of the things that we love to do. And some people say, why do you, why do you spend so much time? Because we love it. Because once I've fallen in love with him, I can't, my heart just breaks. I just, I just want to say thank you. I just want to honor him. But unfortunately, that can be also a little bit of a misnomer. You think, well, worship isn't just songs. It's not just Sunday mornings. It's how I go to work. It's how I live my life at home. It's how I honor my wife in my own home. If I understand him and the blessing that he's been to me, it's how I treat my wife. That I make her the priority. Why? Because I understand what he's done for me that he saved me from sin, and I, I want to express my honor to him by honoring my beautiful wife. It's how I show up at work and I do my job. I had a career. I worked for the insurance industry for many years, and I endeavored to honor God with my time at work. So, and it was just the way I was raised that I don't, I show up early and I leave late. And that if something needs to get done, that my boss would give it to me, I'll get it. It's part of my worship and honor to God. It's everything I do. It's how I live my life. It's one of the DNA markers of this church. So it's not just songs on a Sunday, but it's honoring Jesus 
by honoring people. It honors him because he, is, he came for people. How do I honor people? How do I express that? It's, it's worship unto him. It's how I live my life. It's how I speak to my children. It's how I lift them up. It's how I speak to people in the church. Second thing about our mission and what we actually do is sonship. It's knowing, again, who we are and whose we are. It unlocks our true identity as sons and daughters of the king. As, as part of our understanding, what we want to do at Life Church is who we are and whose we are. It's understanding that God is our father and he loves us unconditionally. And if I can get people to understand and as, as leaders and as people and children's workers and the nursery, if we can get our kids to understand they're sons and daughters of the king. They're sons and daughters of the most high. And it's what, what Rick read this morning. I don't know if you read it or just quoted I can't remember. But so that the demons are subservient to you, that the demons are afraid of you. But don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in the fact that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You're a child and a son and a daughter of the Most High. And so why do we, why do we honor people in the nursery? Why do we honor people who do the PA? Why do we honor people who do uh, the, the, the sound? I remember growing being in churches, the only time the sound team was ever acknowledged was when they squealed. It's to teach people, to understand, as part of our mission, they're a child of the Most High. They're not second class. What they do is important. And, it's a, and if you're messed up on the inside, can we love you? Can we accept you? Can we come alongside you? So many people, they, they will sit in a church and think, if they knew what I was actually like, they'd have nothing to do with me. If they knew how I actually spoke my language, they would have nothing to do with me. If they knew what I actually did with my finances, if they knew what I looked, like, looked at, if they knew what I thought about, they'd have nothing to do with me. And so people are taught so often to hide in churches. But what we want to do at Life Church is understand, I'm better than that. To act like a son, to walk like a son, to think like a son, to act like a chosen child of destiny. And it's identity. And Luke is so great at it. It's been so great. I so uh, appreciate what Luke has done with our youth. He, in the last three years, is teaching our youth and our young people along with the Newtons and all the other, you know, Angie Mauer, all the people working with our youth, is teach them they're children of the Most High. Yeah. With all their issues, with all their attitudes, with all their raging hormones, all their problems, they're children of the Most High. Yeah. It's so important. You know, it, it makes me angry when I listen to messages um, when pastors and preachers are speaking to the people of God and they're telling them what horrible, wicked sinners they are. That's not what Jesus did. That's not what he said. He taught them, you come to me and I'll change you from the inside out. And your sons and daughters are the most high. One of the DNA things is sonship. Another aspect of what we do that I, I hope makes a difference and I hope is very apparent over time is a leadership. God has placed leaders and ministry gifts into his church to bring us all to maturity. And in this church, we, we do believe in the apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, and evangelists. I probably missed one of them in there. And it's the, for the job of equipping the saints. And that leadership, I think as my, my wife may have mentioned earlier, 
So often it's the, the leaders are at the top and it's all the poor people doing whatever the leaders want and running at whatever the leaders dictate. But actually it, it's closer to something where the leaders are at the, at the base, lifting people up, making people great, making people feel important, making people feel loved. And so that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus expressed his leadership like this. I will come and die for you. While you're in sin, while you're ugly, while you have attitudes, while you have all your problems, while you're blaspheming my name, I'll die for you and show you what leadership looks like. I will make a way for you. And you know what? It makes a difference in my home, how I love my wife. How I lead my home is through servant leadership. And we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks, what it actually looks like. It's, it's an upside-down kingdom. My wife should be the first recipient of the blessing of my servant leadership at home. So what that means for me is I take out the trash. I do the dishes. Because I love my family, I don't cook. (laughs) When it's my turn, we eat out. (laughs) Under my leadership. (laughs) When I was raising, raising our kids... It was funny, I was talking to somebody this week who, yeah, we was talking to somebody this week. I changed, we, we have, we have four children. I changed thousands of diapers, thousands. And now we have three grandsons in Chicago. And as soon as I step foot in the house, my daughter-in-law knows I'm in charge of diapers. The messier, the better. I want them. Give them to me. I don't actually, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. But to me, that's what it looks like to have authority. I'll do the ugly stuff. And so for me, it's so beautiful when I go to Chicago and I see my son, he's 31-ish. She's in charge of child numbers. And to see my son changing all the dirty diapers so that his wife doesn't have to. It, it makes, it, something happens on the inside of me to see my son loving his wife like that. She's never giving, Stephen, I can't take any more. Can you do this one? My son grabs the child with the dirty diapers. Why? Because he's a servant. He's learned a different way. He's learned kingdom authority, kingdom leadership, what kingdom really looks like. And if you have a gag reflex, it's okay. I'll make a deal. You eat my liver, I'll change your kids' dirty diapers. I have a gag reflex with liver. So if you can't do it, it's okay. I'll change the kids. And I'm going to close on this last point is discipleship, part of our mission. Discipleship. I bet you have some dirty diapers you'd love to pass my way, wouldn't you, Guy and Dana? Yep. (laughs) Make it happen. Make it real. Discipleship. One of the, the main things that we believe in in this church and actually practice and make real is discipleship. Jesus came with a message. Don't, don't just go make converts. Just don't try and, and just, just change the world. Go make disciples of nations. You know, if you want to get a, a, maybe a, a fine tune of what this really looks like, can I have just Mark and Kathy, could you guys just stand for just a second? Mark was up here with his really cool shirt. I noticed it immediately. Um, God's hand is on this couple's life. They, they get uh, to travel the world. I think Kathy was in Africa last year, I believe. Um, still waiting to go myself. That's not a challenge, Mark. I'm, 
Yeah, come on over. I'm going to countries, not that one yet. But, but this couple, God has highlighted inside of them a, a desire for discipleship, to make disciples, that, that we would look and, and you guys can sit back down. But over the next months, weeks and months, we're going to begin doing uh, different layers of discipleship and discipleship making. And it's one of those, it's like, every, hey, who wants to do evangelism? Everybody runs. Who wants to be part of a discipleship? Everybody runs. But it's what Jesus did. He came to make disciples. He didn't just come to make converts and just little minions to do all the stuff that he didn't want to do. He actually made disciples. And he came alongside people and he taught people, this is how you express the kingdom of God. It's one of the DNA traits of this church. And in disciple making, it's to understand. And it's a famous speaker, Dan Reynolds will tell you when he comes. But in discipleship making, it's, it's to understand, this, here's the quote, society grows when people plant trees they know they will never sit in the shade of. Society grows when people plant trees they know they will never sit in the shade of. That's why when we, we invest with Roberta and Melissa and all the amazing teachers with our kids, we, we want to invest time and attention and finance that our kids who are going to be way past where, where we were, and with Luke and with Sam Hooker and all the different people working with teenagers, to invest in our young people. Why? Because those kids are going to be 50, 60, 70. We will be long gone. I will be with Jesus. I'll be in glory on a good day. It's secure. I'm all, I'm all safe. But will I invest in the generation? It's making disciples of people. It's so important. I would say it is paramount and what Jesus did and does and continues to do. So we're, we're going to be moving into um, different layers and, and different opportunities in 2019 with discipleship, and, and I love it. It's, and it's the, the last thought I want to say is, it's more important what I put in my children than what I leave to my children. Yeah. It's more important, thank you, it's more important what I put in them than what I leave to them. And so much of Western society and American culture is to build up your 401k and build up your savings and leave an inheritance. Absolutely. But at what cost? That I'm, as a, as a, as a person out working, do my kids actually want me? Oh, that's a trick question. <laughs> what my children hunger for is me as a parent. Yes, they want the skateboard. I don't even know what they do nowadays. Xbox, something like that. Yes, they want all the gadgets and the gizmos. But at the end of the day, what, the, what, the, what our children are crying out for is a dad who loves them, yeah. as a mom who's available, as a mom who's present in the home with a smile and with kindness and with love and mercy. I remember growing up, my dad, I have, several, I have many, my dad has been gone four years now, uh, on the 22nd of March. And there's so many beautiful memories of my father. He was an amazing man. But I remember my dad worked a couple of jobs, which is to his credit, so that we could survive as a family. But I, I have just a couple of lasting memories of my father. And one is every morning when I, when I uh, woke up, I would walk into the kitchen, and I'd have to pass by the living room. And the living room was completely dark. I mean, it was black. And I remember I knew my father was awake because it was a red ember. 
It was a cigarette burning on the other side of the living room. I couldn't see my dad, but I could see the cigarette ember, the little red light. And I'd walk past my dad, hey, dad. And he'd say, hey, son, how are you? And my dad was, he was an amazing man. He taught me work ethic. He taught me uh, manners, how to treat women, how to, how to speak to people, how to, how, how to work. But one of the things that I miss about my dad, I, I, he, he never went to one single baseball game that I ever played in, ever. I played in baseball from, it was my whole world was sports. But he was busy working. And I, and I, I look back and I just, I regret that I missed so much with my dad. I just wanted a parent that was present. I just wanted somebody who was there. And it, it challenges and it changes the, um, how my wife and I raised our kids to be with them, to be present with them. And maybe you're the sort of person, I, I, I've worked more than 40 hours my whole life, well, since I was eight, 17. You have to provide for your kids. But discipleship starts at home. And discipleship starts with our children, whether they're 20, 30. Some of us have missed that opportunity with our kids. You know, it's like us. The, as my wife and I say, the bread's already out of the oven. Kids are grown up and they're gone. Can I be present now? I find my kids now, they're 30, our kids, 33, 31, and twins at 25. I find my children need us more now than they ever did because they're trying to work out life by themselves. And they, they, they long for us. Am I present now? Or am I so busy doing whatever I'm doing? And maybe you don't have children. Can you be a parent to someone else? Can you be a parent to someone in your neighborhood? Can you be a parent to somebody at work who's struggling? The opportunity is all around us all the time. Lord, open my eyes to see the opportunity to invest, to disciple other people, to spend my life well. Amen? Could we all stand up, please? Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you are a faithful father, a great father, an amazing father. And I thank you that you, you show us how much you love us. You showed us through in sending Jesus that you cared. While I was a blasphemer, while I was mired in sin, steeped in sin, you sent Jesus that I might find love, that I might find acceptance. And Father, in the future days of this church, Father, I pray that we be filled with people who know their ABCs, accept before change, that we love people really, really well, like you loved me from the day I was born and to the day that I walked into your arms with tears in my eyes. Father, you were good to me. You blessed me, you loved me. Help us, Father, to walk out the vision, the mission, the values of this church in, a, in an amazing way, Lord, that I will never again throw a rock at another church. I will never again find a rock of judgment to throw at another pastor, no matter what they've done to me, no matter how they've harmed me. Father, I bless them in response, that I would learn to be a great forgiver, a great lover of your people. But Father, I want to drink from the streams of life from you, the streams of forgiveness, the streams of health, the streams of your spirit. I thank you for what you're doing in this body, Lord. I pray that it would grow exponentially 
and your goodness and your kindness, King Jesus. Father, I pray blessing on those people that we would have health. For those people struggling in their bodies, Lord, and in their minds, that they would have the health and peace of heaven. Bless them, Father. Bless us this week for an amazing week. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen, amen. and amen. amen. Encourage somebody before you, you wander out. If you're a guest, we'd love, my wife and I'd love to meet you in the back.